0: And away we go You're listening to Live on Four Legs The Live Pearl Jam Podcast Experience Featuring Mr. Stone Gutter.
1: Fucking camera in the jump.
0: Mr. Boom Gasper! You can call me L, you can call me Ed, you just just fucking call me why don't you. welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast and we're here today to cover Reading uk festival 2006 randy sobel here john ferrara over there hello hi john how's it going good man how are you we are doing great looking forward to this episode and we'll get to a very special guest in just a second but before that uh let's get into some live on four legs type news uh Last week, we released uh, something a little different, our first in the Evolution, baby, episode uh, series, and uh, it was Yellow Lead Better. But, if you caught this, we released a second episode uh, that focused on Leash that was exclusive to Patreon. So, that episode is currently on Patreon right now. Uh, If you would like to subscribe to Patreon, John, would you like to explain Patreon to people? Patreon is a way that you can
1: support the show, just to, it's,
0: it's a way to help us.
1: Uh, give us a chance to do cool stuff, like more giveaways. Uh, you guys did some charity stuff last year. That was great. Um, it's a way that you can support the show and even come and be on the show. like, that's how I started on the show. It came on, we did Atlanta 94 in episode 10. I had so much fun. Uh, I think I harassed you guys for about three months to come back sooner. Uh, we came back and did Charlotte 2013, which was great. And, uh, and I weaseled my way onto the show. So, uh, Patreon is just a way, you know, if you, there's, there's no minimum. We don't have, you know, certain tiers for anything as of right now, but all you have to do is you can donate $1, donate $5, donate as much as you like. Uh, you'll get a chance to pick a show and come on the show, talk to us about it and, uh, get a chance to get access to some cool episodes that we're going to, we've done. And that we're going to do in the future.
0: Yeah, and uh, we actually have a new patron for this week, Uh, so shout out goes to Dan Bastin, Uh, thank you Dan uh, for supporting the show, so Dan not only gets uh, access to lots of good stuff uh, including New Year's Eve 1992, uh, VH1 Storytellers, and last week's Leash episode, but Dan gets an opportunity to come on the show and talk about his favorite Pearl Jam show or just any Pearl Jam show that he would like to. Uh, so Dan, email us or we'll email you and you'll have that opportunity. Once again, thank you for the support and uh, we'll get you on the show very soon. So a lot of stuff there, a lot of plans for the future, especially uh, maybe even a vault release like we've mentioned, uh, the old Weezy Street Records. Maybe we should just wait until... Record Store Day next year to do it. Oh, no. We need to we need to release that thing. <laughs> free text- Easy Street.
1: Free Easy Street. I texted I Matt, Matt last campaign. week.
0: I texted Matt, uh, not last week, Hashtag yesterday. Hashtag Free Easy Street. <laughs> Use it. Post it on social media. <laughs> Get it out there. Uh, at Matt, you know, at Matt Raymond, whatever his handle is. Uh, yeah, I, w- I was texting with him uh, yesterday, actually, and I had mentioned... Uh, it's very hard to get a response back from him. Uh, but once I had mentioned, Hey, you still have to send me easy street track, LOL. Uh, I did not get a response back from that. (laughs) But however, what I did get a response back from him was for, uh, a very important thing that we're doing, uh, in two weeks time, we are celebrating an anniversary show. That's right. Um, we are celebrating our first anniversary, which is crazy. The year has just absolutely flown by. Uh, I, you know, If you're listening to this on Wednesday, yesterday was our one-year anniversary since we started the Facebook page, which is amazing. And we have over 600 followers, 600 likes, which is just uh, enormous and incredible. We thank everybody for the support. And, uh, to show our thanks, uh, what we're going to do for our anniversary episode is we're going to let you choose it. Uh, we're going to do a poll episode. So what we did was we took all four of our legs. We used our, all four of our brains, uh, three and a half, if you're including one, uh, but we decided that all four of us were going to pick a big time show to use for the poll and this has been posted to facebook already i'll pin it to the top of the page uh it'll be on instagram it'll be all over the place so you'll be able to see it you'll be able to find it so you'll be able to uh to vote in the poll and i'll I'll post more things as we go along but the poll is up and here are the nominees for our anniversary episode that you can vote on it's your choice to do this, oh, that I was give you a drum roll there. Oh, <laughs> I thought that was a lawnmower. <laughs> the choices are the nominees are Randy's choice, Gorge two thousand and five. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. John's choice, Greenville oh. two thousand sixteen. Oh, that's a big one. It's a big one. Yeah, and if there's somebody listening out there, you're welcome. Uh Buckley's choice <sighs> Mudfest 1993 What what is Mudfest explain what that is Okay so Mudfest uh was a Canadian festival that uh, basically the whole entire time That Pearl Jam was on the stage Dirt was flying in their face the whole entire time It's kind of like being at Randall's Island How you're you know, on all these people moving around And it's nothing but mud and dirt Flying up all over the place And uh, I watched the video a couple of days ago There's not a lot of crowd shots But apparently it was a complete and utter disaster Did I get that right? Sounds good More, Kind of equivalent to the Woodstock 94
1: Sure yeah. Performances.
0: Yeah. I. Uh, my favorite thing about that Woodstock '94 is uh, Les Claypool being on stage and people throwing mud at him during "My Name Is Mud" and him saying, this, "The damn song called My Name Is Mud.' I didn't say he'd throw mud at me on the stage." <laughs> one of my favorite. One of my favorite moments. Uh, the, gr- then, the Green Day one
1: will always be the highlight for me.
0: The Green Day one is fantastic. You're right. Uh, and then finally, uh, last but not least, Matt's pick. He went a little more recent, Safeco, night two of last year. Oh, that's a great show, too. It's a fantastic show. I think that's we got a great, four great choices. for very awesome choices. And uh, not only, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we're promoting right now, not just Patreon, not just the anniversary episode poll, but we are giving away a poster on the anniversary show day. What? Yes. Uh, why why would who came we do up? i don't know I, I i think we like people those posters are so expensive they're so hard to find well how did we come up with an extra one i i think we oh wait it's from my personal Ah, uh, there it is there it is so john was very nice enough to say that uh he would give a poster away and that's what we're doing but in order to should i should i drop another hint so last week, you said it was an animal. What hint would right. you like to do this week? Well, obviously, this isn't going to be much of a hint, but
1: it was a show that I attended.
0: Okay. And it's... It, it, can, we, can we just say it's not Charlotte? Because that's such a rare now, poster. Hey, hey, I, I, that's all I'm saying. That's, all I'm saying. <laughs> that's a $900 poster. I think it's probably not Charlotte that's probably a safe bet although <laughs> I, I
1: cannot confirm nor deny that, that that is the one or not the one well, or anything keep, uh, related. That, that's, the, that's the only hint you get
0: yeah keep keep it, keep it alive let, let people think that that's a possibility um, and technically I don't think that poster has an animal on it I think it has insects on that's it that's very true
1: can we get into the, to the weeds on animals versus insects and we, if we can get a, an entomologist on the
0: show <laughs> <wow>, that would <laughs> be great i i I think we're live on too many legs at that point (laughs) so how uh how can they get this poster uh what's what's the best way for them to do it
1: the best way is to go into apple podcasts uh leave us a five-star review uh write us a little note and uh, let us know that that you did it. We really we really appreciate it. Yep,
0: send us a s- screenshot, either email us or uh, you know we'll we'll post more stuff to Facebook about it. Make sure but and send us your name if
1: your if your Apple Podcast ID is given to Fly eighty two. Yeah. then make sure you send us your name so we we have your information for the
0: giveaway. Yeah, and there are people that have uh, that have uh, rated us five stars in the past and have, that have posted. Uh, if you're one of them, um, just you know again send us an email we want to know who you are and know that you're going to be listening to the show and there are some people uh you know last couple days we've gotten some ratings uh and people haven't you know shown uh shown their work uh and we don't know where those ratings came from they were all five-star ratings but we're not sure where those ratings came from so that was you just send us a little email just let us know uh, that that was you. I think there was somebody else that commented that I've never seen before. So uh, if that if that was you, just please uh, to be to qualify, send us an email. Yeah, we we, we want to make sure that that everyone gets counted. You know, Absolutely. if you're if you're kind enough to go to
1: that trouble and. And support us like that, then we want to make sure you get counted for the
0: giveaway. Absolutely. And uh that's live on four legs podcast and gmail dot com. Just send us a note or Facebook us or something like that. And if you don't if you aren't on Apple Podcasts, I don't know, you know, for Spotify users, I don't know if uh if there's a rating system on Spotify, I'm not too familiar with it. Uh but what you can do in order to enter is uh, you can rate us on Facebook, leave us a comment on, on Facebook. Uh, I think there's a way that you can you know rate this business, quote unquote business. Uh, so uh, if you do that, we'll be able to see it right on Facebook and uh, we'll know who you are. So that's that's another easy way to do that. Uh,
1: Randy, did, did you
0: pre-order the uh, the new Vault vinyl release from uh, PearlJam.com? I did not because uh, I, I have a wedding to pay for. You uh, still haven't? I have a wedding to pay for, John. So unless you want to give maybe, me a maybe. really nice wedding gift.
1: I was gonna say maybe someone out there wanna want to give you a nice present.
0: Wink wink nudge nudge. Anybody? <laughs> uh pretty cool. So what so what'd you think of the, the show choice? I think it's great. You know, it's all Seattle
1: shows are always special. Um I'm looking forward to uh to putting it on the turntable and giving it a
0: listen. Would have been nice, uh, I think we mentioned this before, uh we when we were talking uh uh, through text uh that would have been nice to see a 1996 show or you know something from 96 98 and one of those one of those uh i was saying the vote for change shows would have been cool but um i'm i'm never gonna complain about a 1993 seattle show i think oh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be great
1: we're gonna have to uh
0: we're gonna to have to have some plans to cover that show. I think closer to the release, right? Once, uh, once everybody gets the record shipped and has some time to digest it and is able to listen to it, I think we'll uh, shortly after that we'll uh, uh, we'll touch up on the show. I think that that's an absolute definite. Awesome, so that's something to look forward to. And maybe, Great. maybe in two thousand and twenty, maybe we will. Because uh, we've done a couple of vault shows, we've done Soldier Field and Vic Theater. Maybe we'll do. Uh, the rest of them. maybe we'll do Aladdin theater and maybe we'll do uh missoula and uh uh mount mount baker mount baker sure. yeah yep that's a great show yeah I, we got a, we got a lot to do we're not done so and uh one last thing before we get into our guest, uh just if you have any stories, if uh you like what you're listening to so far, want to give us some feedback, want to uh share uh a little uh, idea that you have or, you know, give us an, an idea for the next show, uh feel free to email us, email us at liveonfourlegspodcast@gmail.com. Uh somebody that did send in an idea for an episode. This was, um, Oh man, this was probably in the winter at some point. Uh, but we got an email from him and I was very surprised because I had never actually heard of his podcast before. And he sent from his podcast email and I was, I was very, I was, I was very intrigued because you know, this is one podcaster reaching out to another podcaster. I'm like, Oh, this is cool. You know, I, this is awesome. Uh, I didn't think that, uh, You know other podcasts were listening to us but you know it it turns out they were uh so today we're going to introduce you to tom Kui. he is the host of the alpha metallica podcast tom welcome to live on four legs
2: hey randy john guys thanks for having me really appreciate it
0: yeah thanks for our pleasure yeah thanks for coming on man uh look you know you sent this in uh a while ago and you said that reading 06 was your only show that you'd ever been to
2: that's right yeah and you know love the show i discovered discovered you guys through um single single podcast theory that i discovered in turn through metal at your podcast and you mentioned before about podcasters reaching out to each other and like you know we're a sacred brotherhood the podcast that cover <laughs> bands in this depth like you know there's quite a lot of them out there Sabbath bloody podcast deep purple podcast cast, you know there's various ones like I'm still praying for a Soundgarden one no one's actually done a Soundgarden one yet but hopefully we can put that seed into the ether but um yeah you know I think you said on one of the episodes suggest some shows to us and it always appealed to me with these kind of ideas like with Metallica podcast not just doing the big famous shows the Pink Pops etc but just doing you know 2006 avocado was out they're doing a few headline shows over in europe i happened to be there on that sunday with my great friend chris who is uh i want to shout him out chris hicklin is a giant pearl jam fanatic i think he's seen him like 10 12 times you know he's constantly going around europe to see them but uh yeah we went down together and um i can't say i remember too much of the show to be honest i was 14 years old it's a bit of a blur (laughs) but looking back it's been a great trip down memory lane
0: now this is it's, this is really interesting. Uh, so this is a three night festival. You know, camp out the whole thing. Think Bonnaroo. Think uh, you know um, any of those other festivals in America mm-hmm. for all you Americans not not familiar with what Reading Festival is. Uh, but night three, this is such a weird grouping of bands. <laughs> uh, it's kind of I, I, I mentioned to you before. It, it's kind of war Tour and and Pearl Jam and and Slayer. So. Uh, The big bands on the bill, this must be like the main stage, uh, Taking Back Sunday, Less Than Jake, Bullet For My Valentine, My Chemical Romance, Slayer, Placebo, and Pearl Jam headlining. So obviously you're there for Pearl Jam, but like what else, what else sparked, uh, what else was the reason why why this was the night you you guys wanted to go to?
2: Absolutely, strictly Pearl Jam. We were only there for Pearl Jam. You know, I mean, just briefly, me and Pearl Jam, like I were always aware of them as this cultural music force. Even Flow was on in the background as a young teenager, and then I bought Rearview Mirror, the greatest hits two disc. Really enjoyed that. Um, you know, got ten, got verses. Still am really enamoured by Stone. To me, that, that that's who I kind of gravitate towards. I just adore his guitar playing. Have since got onto you know Green River and uh, Mother Love Bone. I actually, forgot they did Crown of Thorns in this. So that was a pleasant surprise again, going back. But um yeah, this was like Pearl Jam fever. Like Avocado had just come out that summer. I remember going down, you know, being so excited because this was like a, the, I was so into Pearl Jam at the time, and this was actually their new record. This is the first record of theirs I could actually get my TV into and appreciate in real time. I buying that and buying Stadium Arcadium, the double disc Chili's album, on the same day, such a 2006 rock day there, but I remember Worldwide Suicide coming out on some weird proto Napster stream and hearing Unemployable with it, and Unemployable still one of my favourite Pearl Jam songs, and just falling in love with that song, and uh, yeah, we were just in PJ mode, and it didn't seem real that we were actually being given the opportunity to see the band quite close to where we are like at the time I was living in my hometown of Birmingham it's about 100, 150 miles away from Reading my friend Chris's mom drove us there and uh, we just sort of spent the day together watching band and stuff but, but yeah there was nothing else on the bill that stuck out to me I remember Les and Jake were quite good um, My Chemical Romance played as well that was just when they were doing their Black Parade idea and it became quite a notorious concert because the lead singer Gerard Way instigated a chant screaming fuck the Daily Mail <laughs> um, I don't know if you know about the Daily Mail, but it's this kind of tabloid rag over here that incites uh, kind of it's racial It's like the hatred. New York
0: Post, I would think. Right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and it, everyone was just chanting "fuck the Daily Mail." I think that was like, that was like headline news at the time and stuff. But um, but yeah, we we were just there for PJ. Everyone else on the bill was just kind of you know spare really. It's just it feels
0: so weird because none of these bands. That even even on night one and night two, none of these bands would even open up for Pearl Jam in the States. It's such a weird mix. Like you have night one, uh, Franz Ferdinand is the closer that night. The Kaiser Chiefs, uh, Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, Fall Out Boy, Panic at the Disco, Bell and Sebastian, Dashboard Dashboard Confessional. That's a very strange mix right there. And this is, you Uh know, you think about nowadays, Fall Out Boy being the fourth or fifth ban on the bill you know they would be headline they would be like a night three headliner at the at this point um yeah and then night two you have muse arctic monkeys flogging molly raconteurs uh wolf mother and and cambria those were the ones that really stuck out to my mind uh but it, very it's very warped Tourish to me and and in a way eclectic but uh still i mean like it i I personally like a lot of these bands, so I would I would have had a good time, but it sound, it sounds like you were there for Pearl Jam, and it sounds like uh you know as a headlining act, they really delivered on this one.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and it's so weird seeing Pearl Jam headline this because now Reading and Leeds culturally is very much the sort of youth festival. It's after A levels. You're 18. You go to your first festival. It's all kind of like Billie Eilish and Post Malone and those sort of mm. drugged out Simp stuff. It's no longer a real rock festival. Um, so it's just like Pearl Jam would never headline Reading these days. Like they couldn't really headline a UK festival anymore. I don't think like they couldn't headline Glastonbury. It's not that they're not big enough. They just thematically aren't in that mold anymore. They're a little too I don't know, I think some people would see them as old-fashioned, really. Even though they're not, they're quite progressive in many ways, but sure. it's just su- such an artifact from 06 that Pearl Jam could headline Reading.
0: Yeah, and John, you said something when, when I was texting you last night that like, it was kind of a sign of the time like that 06, that every type of band that Pearl Jam could have headlined with uh, back in 98, back in you know, early 90s, almost had gone to the wayside.
1: Right by this time, I mean, all the bands that they would have toured with, would have headlined with, have have broken up. They've already gone by the wayside. So they're they're kind of the the anomaly in this group. But they're always going to be like in the music industry in two thousand six is not what it was in the, in nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety five. You know, and Reading is in the business of selling eighty thousand, hundred thousand 100,000 tickets. They're going to get whoever the popular artists are at the time. So they're trying to capitalize on on the zeitgeist of whatever time there, whatever year it is. So for them to pick Pearl Jam in 2006, you know, coming off a new album was, I'm sure just to sell tickets. I wonder, just like, just like Tom, I wonder how many people were there just to see Pearl Jam and didn't care about any other bands.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the, you know, crazy things that I wanted to bring up really early here is that, uh, yeah, when the, First thing that you think of when it comes to Pearl Jam and festivals, maybe first or second thing, maybe you're thinking Pink Pop first, but obviously Roskilde comes up when you think of Pearl mm-hmm. Jam and festivals. And uh, doing as much research as I could on this, uh, it seems like that a couple days before there was the Leeds Festival and Pearl Jam played the Leeds Festival. That looks to be the first festival that Pearl Jam played bef- uh, since the incident happened. Uh, so there's still like, this is, this is new to them. I, I wonder what it took on their part to get back into this, to say, all right, you know, we're, we're, we're comfortable with this again, as, as long as, you know, there's security precautions in place, as long as, as, uh, everyone is safe, we'll, we'll be back into this. So I, you know, I, I wonder what's going through their head.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of bands wouldn't have survived that. It For them to, I mean, I'm not surprised they took six years off. Of, I mean, I'm sure they had offers during Riot Act and the 2003, but, you know, they probably it was too soon even for that. So I'm not surprised it took them six years to, to kind of dip their toe back into it.
0: Let's uh, talk a little bit about fest, Festival Set List for a second. And, you know, th- this one... As far as the festival set list goes, I think this is actually a really solid set list that we're about to get into. Uh, when you think set list, you think of basically it's for the casual fan. It's you know obviously Tom, you're you're there for Pearl Jam. A lot of people are like you. I've I've been to a festival and only one for Pearl Jam. I think the opener of that festival for Pearl Jam was Drake. So that goes to show who who was there. Uh, but um, a lot of people there that are still seeing them are the casual fan and they have to sort of cater to that casual fan base there. And I look at another festival in England that they did uh, Hyde Park, which is a huge, huge venue, uh, you would think like enormous uh, for them to pl- even be playing there. And The set list, I was actually, it was this past week they played the set list on uh, on the Sirius station. And it was just, there was nothing special about it outside of maybe of the earth was the only thing that you couldn't hear in a regular show. But this is just, you go through down the line and almost it's every album has multiple songs on it except for No Code. And it's kind of incredible that they went to the lengths to to do that for this one.
2: Yeah, there's nothing too surprising here or stuff that I didn't recognise at the time as a 14-year-old still getting into the band. There was a few songs that I wasn't really familiar with, but the majority, like Sad, for example, I hadn't really heard. But, um, but yeah, you're right, it does feel a bit of an appeal to the mainstream, really, like loads of rockers early on, a real sort of satisfying closer, nothing that's going to catch many people out. It's kind of a, quite a crowd-pleasing sort of set list.
0: But then you mentioned Crown of Thorns, And I don't know if you knew this, but that was only the 11th time they had played Crown of Thorns. Crown of Thorns was a really rare song for them to do at the time. And it was probably in 2006 that they had picked it up a little bit and started playing it. You know, uh, I think they played it maybe, there was a lot of shows that year, but maybe six shows that year. But before that, it was as rare, you know, that that was a gem. So like to get that, at this kind of show, I feel like this is kind of a, a step up from what they would do at a festival nowadays, almost.
2: Yeah, and with Crown of Foot, I mean, we'll get to the song, but it's a great barometer of the savviness of the crowd because you can actually hear an audible peal of joy when they start playing those opening chords. Like, people recognize what this song is, which, obviously, at the time, I didn't know what the song is, did even appreciate that. But um, it's great to see that the fans are locked in with the material so much.
0: That, and that, you know what? That, that's actually, that attributes to the fans and how many people were there for Pearl Jam that i think that right there is is your sign that that people were there to go and see them because i don't think anybody there for My Chemical Romance, for Slayer, are going to know this Mother Love Bone song that was barely <laughs> popular yeah, back...
2: They're more Green River fans, I think, yeah. I, if anything, yeah. I think uh, the, they're more into malfunction than... yeah. The, the
1: formatting of this is, is unique, too, because a lot of festival sets, you don't get an Encore 1 and an Encore 2. You might get sure. a main set and one Encore, where they have to compress, mm. and maybe a Crown of Thorns gets cut. You know maybe something else in the encore gets cut but I think it it was it's good for them that they were able to kind of treat this like a normal arena show come out and do you know what they did to start the first encore kind of run through a regular first encore maybe a compressed second encore but I think that allowed them to, to kind of play around with it a little bit too
0: so let's let's start let's get into the show now uh, they entered the stage to master slave which is kind of cool doesn't happen a lot you know if anything they're uh entering the stage to metamorphosis 2 or uh you know home away shows they were doing i davenita so you know kind of cool that they're getting you know the first thing that you hear on on the first pearl jam album uh they're entering the stage to. you know they obviously did that the philadelphia 10 show back in 2016 they they mix Um, it up
1: a little there's a few different ones that they go to 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 intro those shows
0: and they would do, uh, I think in 2016, uh, they were doing um, uh, R.E.M. Uh, it happened today. Yeah. It happened today, yeah. And so uh, they're on stage, and Ed, you know, very rarely does Ed take the mic before actually going into a song. But, you know, as we said before with Ross Killed, they haven't played a festival often. I think it was just Leeds, and Leeds was, if not, a couple days before it was a week before something two days before i think right uh so ed starts off immediately with a safety announcement says take care of one, one another security's there to help someone goes down just notify somebody take care of your neighbor uh i know you can do it we can do it together and we can stop on a dime any song anytime we can just stop on a dime start right back up just please take care of one another yeah and we're good to go start off with uh, something we haven't covered on our show surprisingly enough in 44 some odd episodes uh, interstellar overdrive the pink Floyd tune uh, that is the often tease into corduroy that's how they start off this show. <laughs> not just the open for corduroy but for the open to a show i i think this is such a great way to to get into it cuz it's kind of if you don't know what interstellar overdrive is it's kind of like just it just feels like a jam and it's just teasing you into into corduroy and then when corduroy hits you kind of get excited uh but what do you what are you thinking this is your first you know Pearl Jam is hitting the stage, and you're hearing this riff to Interstellar Overdrive. Are you familiar with, uh, with this Pink Floyd song at the time, or...?
2: no certainly not um, I, just the, the sheer adrenaline of seeing Eddie up there and, and hearing like you say the opening of 10 play out and just, just echo on the stage and you know I, I forget I forgot that he said his words the very very kind words there but um, you know these giant crowds they really can engulf you and you see quite a lot as the camera cuts off just everyone falling over each other constantly and it always looks worse than it is but I can understand why that might have alarmed Ed Frau. but yeah didn't really know what that is I mean quite audacious that they open with a fairly deep cut a cover nonetheless obviously it's a much truncated version but this juggernaut riff you know it it, it warms them up it gets the crowd ready it's a nice opening of the contract i think
1: and those that intro to corduroy is one of the best things it's one of the best moments on any pro jam album and any pro jam song so opening with that is is a sign that that they're here to please the crowd and it's going to be going to be a Uh great show
0: Absolutely. We talked, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked to uh, Pink Pop and we said, you have to start off with in a festival environment. And obviously Pink, Flo- uh, Pink Floyd, Pink Pop was a, uh, a different beast and a different time. And they opened up that show with even flow, But we were saying, like, you know, they were opening up show normal shows with release with oceans and with things of sort of an ease, an easy uh uh manner to them and right here it's it's opening up the show you know you've been there the whole entire day they're opening up with something hard something one of their you know most singable electric songs um and it and it's great you know the slow burn is awesome for a pearl jam show but for a festival show corduroy or go is always the one that i'm expecting there
2: yeah it's a uh, you know great song, of course, uh, love, love the warmth of corduroy as well, the richness. And from the off, the band were cutting loose. Like, it's kind of crazy how wild they are from the top. Mike, especially, is just barreling across the stage.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, we talked like again Pink Pop how intense Jeff was. And I think when you see that crowd and you see so many people, you know, you you know, you know from earlier in the day, I'm sure they're peeking out there and they're seeing what the crowds are, but they're the last band that's playing on any stage that night. Everybody's focus and attention is on them. So they come out there and Ed immediately is like, "Oh, Oh, good God. This is, you know, next day is 70 or 80,000 people. As long as everybody's safe, I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I'm ready to kick ass on this. And I feel like that they can see that they can sense that from the crowd. And that gives them even more energy that they would have, you know, in an arena show. So after Corduroy, we, uh, we get a really good, uh, combination of do the evolution animal worldwide suicide severed hand, all in this little spot here and this is all real uh you know good momentum uh fired up songs here uh do the evolution early is always a sign of like everybody's ready to go everybody's ready to to just rock out um and animal early is is always uh excellent but um hearing a lot of these five songs what stood out to you tom during this this grouping here
2: yeah, I mean, in some ways, live on four legs ruins your PJ listening experience because <laughs> I, uh, I, I just listen, really appreciate uh, that. In the best possible way, just through comparison and history and awareness, because I listened to the Soldier Field episode um, the other day. And the version of Animal on that is so much better than this version. This isn't a bad version, but it just, I don't know, like, post, I don't know if it's like, just, I don't want to use 911 as a marker, but kind of like middle millennium, like, versus songs seem to lack some of the venomous whip and grind that make them so damn good. And, you know, we get to the Warfleck Chorus, and there's some crowd interaction, stuff like that. That was good. Um, Severed Hand and Worldwide Suicide, that duo didn't really work for me. They're quite ponderous avocado songs, like Worldwide Suicide feels very much like a song that Eddie wrote on guitar, like Eddie writes riffs in a very sort of, almost caveman way, where he's just kind of trying to define the melody line there, and they're not as inviting to me as something like Do The Revolution, which has more of a natural funk to it, but um, yeah, I think that worked well, I like that they didn't douse the whole set with the new album material they get Severed Hand into there which, I don't know, apart from its bridge I find Severed Hand a little ponderous a little ploddy
0: and that's that's interesting that you say that because Avocado songs obviously the whole tour that they're doing this whole entire yeah. year is, is is filled with Avocado and I I barely count wasted reprises anything but None. you're not going to get another avocado song outside of that until the encore, which is kind of yeah. incredible at, at this point in the game. Uh, but I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying there with, with Ed's riff and worldwide suicide. It just feels it's, it's very, you know, it, it's very punk rock It's very who it's, it is. there's no, there's no depth to it. But for a festival show like that, I think you just want something that's really upbeat. And I, I feel like it fit the energy.
2: Yeah, and this is the single at the time. Like this is the song as I said before that we streamed online, and I think around this time the band had been on Jules Holland as well. Um, are, you, are you guys familiar with Jules Holland? Oh, I, uh, no, the no. I am. Death, yeah,
1: that's a great performance
2: yeah 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 so they'd been on it and i think ed was rocking the avocado shirt on it as well and um yeah they, they did worldwide on there as well but um but yeah i like it you know all in all with these five songs they've got the pedal to the metal they're not kind of just pulling out sometimes or something like that or i'm open like they're just going for the for the <laughs> they're, go, they, they're going for the rockers like people who maybe just know pearl jam as, as this kind of you know angsty violent grunge band from the 90s like they, they, they're getting what they expect
1: and these are, these are the crowd-pleaser songs, too, because, you know, the crowd participation. Like, do the evolution, everybody gets to clap. Animal, everybody yep. gets to go one, two, three, four, five against one. So they're getting everyone involved right from the beginning.
0: Yeah, and I I really liked uh, – there, there are two YouTube clips online. You listen to one of them, you can't really hear the cl- crowd at all. The other one, you can hear the crowd much better. And um, when Eddie, uh, in the chorus, the final chorus of Animal, he kind of – he lays off. He lets the crowd have it. The crowd just – it sounds really full. Uh, the crowd is – for a festival crowd, I thought this was – they were a terrific group. Yeah. Um, you know, you Thank see – like the wave of people, the flags that are in the crowd are incredible. They're on like 20-foot poles or whatever. Uh, were you near one of those
2: flags? Uh, that's got to be a safety precaution there. <laughs> we were really near the front, if I remember correctly. So, so basically what happened was Placebo, who played beforehand, they were marred by loads of technical issues. So mm-hmm. what, what happened is what normally happens at these festivals. Everyone's bored. No one's on stage. There's you know, thousands of people in the field. So the cameramen post me too this is unacceptable but we'll just hang on girls and women who will flash um and this happened for like half an hour so me and my friend like 14 we were on our eyes full it was incredible but we managed to, lo- loads of people left and i and i don't know how many people there were there for like Obviously, the people were there for Pearl Jam, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like, you know, I've listened to all your episodes, of riding the rail and all that idea. Like, it's, sure. it's, it's a different type of fan. So we managed to get quite close. As to the flags themselves, yeah, I don't know where they were fulcrumed at, but that, that's a classic thing. I mean, Glastonbury kind of birthed that idea. That's where you'll see the most flags, like humorous messages and stuff. But, um, but, yeah, no, it was cool to see. And it, it just, it's just a baying mob, isn't it, that really are singing back to the band?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you can tell... You know, I, I I'm gonna guess that it's one of those things where you know everybody just kind of does their own thing. And I remember this from being at Warped Tour shows and and even being at that uh, oh that 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 Pearl Jam festival show that I, I mm. won't even get into to what happened that night, but um, right. like I, just knowing from you know being around and waiting for a band like Rancid to come on and then. Once everybody, once at three o'clock hit and Rancid was about to play and the whole crowd bum rushed the stage, like that's how you know everybody is there for a specific something. So I, I can see the same, you know, the parallels in between. Uh, so Ed actually, after these four, uh, he addresses the crowd. He has a bottle of wine in hand, of course. And he says, uh, this, if this is how you look three days in, you must've been on fire Friday or at least save some stuff up for us. And then, uh, Ed mentions the flags and says all these different country. And then he mentions something about pirates. I, I, I guess that there was a pirate flag somewhere. Sure. Um, and says being from America, we should clarify by saying we come in peace. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, we do, by the way, as, as, as Americans, we we come in peace. Anyway, after all that, uh, dissident is, uh, is here and (laughs) dissident to be played at this festival. Uh, it's only 19% of the shows in 2006. So it feels like the crowd is getting something at least a little different. If not if you don't want to call it rare fine but uncommon cool uh it's not 1994 this is not in the set every single day but um you know i always listen to the end of the song i always want to hear how ed does with his stamina he he kills it he's locked in he doesn't lay off of it and just do the escape is never he sings the whole entire thing and that to me like that's that's a thumbs up for any of this
2: Yeah, uh, not a huge fan of Dissident. I know somewhere Brad B is pulling his hair out at the thought of Dissident being discussed. But yeah, this is well, a John's great. John's not a fan either. So. <laughs> yeah, it's just that those the leads are a little officious and and obvious and sort of quasi Stevie Ray Ford. I I, I, don't, I don't really know like I. I actually think Mike McCready's an overrated guitar player, but we don't need to get into wow. that's like a can of worms Whoa. for another day. I oh, know I shouldn't have even said that.
0: Ooh. <laughs> Looks like uh, there's not going to be any crossover fans between Live on Four <laughs> Legs and Alpha Vitalikas anytime soon.
2: <laughs> I've just burned every bridge. But,
0: uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what should I say about Kirk? What should I say about Lars? Oh, uh, Kirk's
2: horrible as well. I, no, that's the problem. I, I alienate loads of my listeners because I rag on Kirk pretty mercilessly. So yeah um but but, but yeah like like, like Bradley as well, um I like the bridge to this song, and I totally agree what you 're saying. Eddie gives this all throughout this show he 's hitting a lot of those notes he 's coming with that deep throated gritted teeth snarl, uh, you know really impressive performance from him and, and the whole band
1: I think dissident this version is kind of rushed, like it lost a lot of power for me uh, you know we coming off we you know we 've done those ninety shows like that atlanta ninety four version is so good uh one of the best but by 2006 i think you know they're 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 in their 40s now they are you're not going to get these versus songs they're not going to have the same groove the same power that they did i mean you know obviously you want them to keep playing them they're not going to drop them completely but something like this i think it at least on when you go back and listen to it i'm sure you know if you're there it's great but go back and listen to it it just sound rushed it just sounded like it kind of thin like it didn't have didn't have any power for me
0: so ed kind of checks in with the crowd real quick uh, cause they're, he wants to take care of a security issue. So the, again, they're really, you know, they're very concerned at what's going on and they
1: want, yeah, they're, they're going to be hypersensitive to anything that they see. Yeah,
0: absolutely. So, uh, and of course, Ed, you know, trying to kill time just says nice nice night on earth it's beautiful out and uh, that's gonna get us into even flow and this is uh this is your ideal festival song and everybody in the crowd knows it so they're jumping around and dancing to it so even flow hits and and what's 14 year old tom thinking
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is what we're waiting for, really, and legendary track that I know you guys cover at every edition, you've sort of gone through all the various permutations of it. Interesting to see the ghostly glow of phone screens in the audience as well, even yeah. in 2006, which I would have thought would have been before that, the but there were still people there. Yeah, I don't know what people were recording, or it was some fucking polyphonic. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the crowd is going mental here. You can see these just grand swarves of people, sort of pushing and falling down, and that's just a victim of the circumstance. Ed's voice is powerful. Um, you know, Mike is in his neck cocked back, concentration bag, keeps carving higher and higher. It's um, yeah, it's a fun addition. I mean, again, it's a little overtly quick. It just loses that kind of swampy crunkness that the sort of studio version has but um yeah not too much to really say i think the kind of end when it goes into matt's solo drum piece is a little bit haphazard the links between it feels a little bit kind of rushed perhaps a little bit jammy but um yeah all all in all again this is this is probably (laughs) probably loads of people left after this they'd heard what they needed to heard and and they delivered
1: oh no oh they missed out this version i mean i I love the way mike starts his solo with just sustaining those notes bending Mm. those notes kind of easing into it and then the transition when he kind of goes up and and like gets the feedback on the amp the feedback in the mat in it Ooh.
0: Yeah, I I agree with you, John. Just the the feedback that Mike was getting. Obviously, he's doing all his behind the back shtick. But if you look at him, he and you look at his eyes, it looks like he's in pain doing this. It looks like he's he's putting all this pressure on his neck when his guitar's back there. And he's playing you know, with feeling.
1: A lot of and a lot of you know I, he technicality doesn't impress me like there's a reason Rush is not the greatest band of all time but when you play with feeling then you're you're connecting with people and you're you're giving something of yourself putting something of yourself in the in the performance and that's going to make it make it stand out to people and that that's what connects with me more than just trying to be all technical and playing as many notes as you can play in two minutes you know 2006 even flow is is always a highlight because that was when Matt kind of took on that solo and I love the way it transitions into it I love the way he kind of picks up the rhythm he kind of he plays almost the rhythm of the song on the drums. It's hard to do um, if you've ever, you know, played drums.
0: To this really good version of even flow ed says that for anybody that knows our records you'll know this one is one of the lost dogs and uh kind of crazy for them to do a lost dog like this sad had only debuted uh live in 2004 so it hasn't had a real lot of time and it's the first of three binaural binaural era songs in this set and that's uh, that 's kind of crazy if you consider uh, you know just the time and and binaural not getting its due nowadays, but um, I thought if if anything was rushed on this show this was this was the one that was rushed to me, but just hearing it in a set it kind of it gives you hope. If you know that you can only make a festival show in the future, it gives you hope that maybe you can get something like this, that you're not just going to get elderly woman and, you know, alive and even flowing Jeremy, and that's it.
2: Yeah, I really like this one. Great song, that cool, jagged riff. Um, I think it makes it quite accessible, that, as well. It's quite melodic and um, quite on the sort of the ground floor level. You don't really have to do too much thinking with the track. Um, Eddie with that target telly as well. Mike, again, really going for the performance. Um, yeah, a lot of the day slides in. It's just so Pearl Jam, really, for them to put this in there. Like, so many other bands wouldn't do something off the B-Sides record. They would maybe go for something that was a bit more... Maybe put deep in here, but no, you yeah, know, right. they'll put sad in. So, yeah.
1: And it, and it was a little rushed, but I think this starts a really, this little, starting with even flow. this little five song mini set in the middle that we can talk about is, is probably my favorite part of the show. Um, Sad is a song, like in an alternate reality, Sad would have been a huge single off of Binaural. It, it, it is a B-side, a lost dog, but it fits in with the show where they're playing those crowd-pleasing numbers, the, the poppier songs. It's definitely you know something that for the people that know it, it's a highlight. But even if they don't know it, people are going to go back and be like, "Ooh, is that song they played! Let me go find that. That was a great mm. song." You know.
0: Yeah, and John, you hit the nail on the head there. That this section is is really strong, and to the point where we'll we'll get we'll get at it a grievance in a second, where it's almost like they had to realize that they're you know. They're on top, and they had to kind of ease it down a little bit. Uh, but you get in the section after Sad. Uh, I am mine into Jeremy into Grievance, and um, while I am mine would be considered a breather on most shows, this is it's continuing momentum and it's continuing the energy. Uh, and no, this is so important. This, this
1: had the power that Dissident did not. It was it was a full performance. They it it definitely had the emotion. It had it had that. That crunch and that grind that that you that you look for in a live show,
0: and I, I can see people, the casuals, in there. Uh, and and basically, if if you're a casual in this kind of crowd, you have to feed off other people's reactions. So if the Pearl Jam fans are in it on this song and they're saying, "Oh, I am mine. I'm really feeling this one," then the casuals are going to be rocking out hard as well. Did you did you notice things like that, Tom? With with the songs like this, that maybe. A casual fan wouldn't necessarily react to.
2: I mean, Randy, I'll, I'll be lying to say if I can remember any okay. really <laughs> of this show. There's, know, there's, yeah. there's one thing I remember, which we'll get to. Okay. Uh, distinctly being in the crowd and experiencing uh, the moment on stage. But, uh, yeah, other than that, no. But, but yeah, I think this is a great version. You know, fitting with the festival as well. Iron Mine, has always, to me, had the kind of a campfire, kumbaya kind of downtrodden, uprising vibe. And, um, yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying as well, John. They really do pull off this song well. And it just has that subtle lilt to it that, that's handled really delicately here. And very, very inspiring. And into Jeremy, which... You know, just for me at my age, like I didn't come of age when Pearl Jam were like, you know, the biggest band ever, and Jeremy was on MTV all the time and stuff like that. I think Jeremy's legit one of the greatest songs ever written. I think it certainly has one of the greatest vocal melodies of all time.
1: There are some good harmonies in this version too. Near the end, I think it's mm. probably Matt who comes in. It sounds really yeah. nice and really full.
0: Yeah, this is look, and I think that it's one of those songs. It's kind of uh, you know, it's a little bit. Uh, controversial when it comes to Pearl Jam fans now that you know, okay, no Jeremy. They don't want to play it uh, as much anymore. They don't want to hear it as much anymore. And and we hear it with uh, Steve that comes on the show sometimes, and he hates Jeremy. But um you know, I, I think a lot of the Pearl Jam fans. I don't know what it is if it's bitterness towards their success or whatnot, but a lot of people don't necessarily want to hear it anymore and i i've sort of was on that fence and i i've i've crossed the other way now and i'm i'm really i'm okay with jeremy being a part of this show now but it has mm-hmm. to be played in a festival you can't go to a festival yeah. and not hear all three of their top you know 10 songs uh, and and
1: again a, a great live song you get for them, you know, they, they know what kind of crowd is going to be at this show. For them to put the song in there, you know you're going to get everyone doing the woes at the end. Yeah. That, that's a special moment for everyone at this show.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, it really, yeah... It, quite hair raising it's absolutely beautiful moment. and the balance of the guitars is excellent like sound can be so choppy on these big stages on these big festival arenas but here you know Stone and Mike just interplay so they build so brilliantly and I love the way they face off and Eddie he's not quite as gravelly as 10 he's quite conversational in points but still spirited and Mike, does Mike do this move regularly I mean you guys watch a lot of live shows hitting a chord and pointing at someone in the crowd he, lo- oh, he seems yeah. to love doing uh, that yeah oh yeah
0: it's yeah, he'll do it. He'll do it. Yeah. Um but he won't he won't overdo it. You know, mm-hmm. there are things that Ed'll overdo, they'll there'll to an extent. There are other there are other things that Mike can overdo, but the, the points of the crowd, no. I think that's yeah. maybe if uh if you blink you miss it kind of thing. Well I think he yeah, a lot yeah. of
1: people a lot of people follow them around and get on the rail on Mike's side all the time. So he points yeah. out people that he recognizes
0: Wrong. and sees them.
1: You know, he would be like, oh yeah, you. I remember you. So it's his little way of of giving those people uh, a little moment.
0: If no. there's anybody that's in, you know, of the five or six of them that that's kind of in tune with uh, with the fans, I would think it's probably Mike would be the closest. So that, yeah. that would that would make sense. Um Grievance grievances after Jeremy and uh I just real quick on Grievance there the energy and the momentum is so high here that you hear on the second cor- uh chorus of Grievance Ed Ed is going so hard that he loses his control Break the back to back to back here and he loses a little bit of control and he has to sort of pick himself back up it's kind of a a fun moment in the realization of like okay slow down a little bit take a second to breathe pause look at the crowd all right now we're back into it like that i i I thought that was kind of a cool realization that uh that he was basically basically needed to to cool down a little
1: and he's the master of he's the master of doing that we talked about it before he He knows exactly when to put the crowd he's got the crowd in his fingertips. He knows you know by two thousand and six they played you know however many shows they've been on tour. this is after the whole u s leg of the tour. He knows you know he he's a master of of making that set list and knowing when to bring things up and when to bring things down.
2: And you know, there's such an idiosyncratic band pearl jam. I can't think of many other outfits that would play the reprise of a song, but not the actual song. Really? Like you wouldn't play the reprise of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and not kick into the. <laughs> you know, I don't like. I, lo- I I respect that they did it, and especially because Life Wasted like such an immediate track that, despite it being brand new, I think would have connected with Reading.
0: It's you know it, it, I I always call wasted reprise. Uh, I I wish I had, you know, some soccer reference to, that I right. could make with it, but it's it's the it's the relief pitcher. It's the left-handed specialist that it can come out, you know, for for one batter and strike him out or get a double play whatever it it's has the, to the the 90th
1: minute so. Right. Sure.
0: Right. Uh okay. th- now it makes sense a, if that's a thing. Not to me, but uh <laughs> if, if that's if that's a thing, then sure. Uh but you know I think it can only go in two places since they've done it before. Better Man. I think it makes sense that that you hear it before Better Man. But one of these shows we did, and they did it before Porch, and it made absolutely no sense. It sounded it sounded off. The tempo sounded off. At least when it goes into Better Man, you kind of get that final chord, uh, that boom plays, and then you know hitting into Better Man feels almost melodic it feels like it's building towards something mm-hmm. when
1: what's well, used in a similar way like setting forth or lucan is used in not for you it flows right into it it's almost not a separate song it's like it's used as that kind of like longer intro to better man sure
0: um, better man performance here. I thought was fantastic by the way. Uh, again, it, it's just another example, like even flow and like, uh, like Jeremy of the hits really hitting the mark and, and really getting the crowd, uh, into it with this version
2: yeah glorious version you know real serving the fans here wonderfully I, I i'm a sucker for in songs when the singer drops away and the band accompany the crowd singing she lies and says she's in love doesn't get better than better man for that. The best versions of Better Man have that. Yeah.
0: That's absolutely for sure.
2: But
1: no savor for later on
0: this one. Just a little,
1: little little solo and then that's done. I wonder if that was a time constraint.
0: You know, uh I'm wondering that too, but I'm also kind of okay with it. as much as I I love the tag, um it it wasn't like it wasn't the album version. It wasn't an abrupt ending. It was, it was extended yeah, they, enough they, where i jam
1: on it a little bit, but it's not one of those, you know, seven, eight, nine minute versions.
0: This section here after better man, save you blood rear view mirror to close out the first set. Uh, save you makes two riot act songs on this track on this show, uh, two riot act, two binaural, two vitalogy, uh, A couple of zero zero, no code, zero no code, two yield, I believe. If you are counting, uh, Ledbetter, I suppose you can say two lost dogs. Uh, but I mean, like everything is really, uh, it's exactly like Thanos wanted, it it is balanced.
2: And I mean, say, save you is a great version, scrappy version. Um, always really dug that song. Look at lyrics today. I never, I always thought it was, I'm gonna save you for good i never knew it was i'm gonna save you fucker yeah but obviously damn ed potty mouth but yeah i think
1: he i think it is it is on purposely vague could read it as as that as well he does that a lot but this version is starts off so fast he almost can't keep up with Mm -hmm. the lyrics at first
2: yeah and at
0: least he's not saying drop the leash drop the leash get out of my lucky face
2: (laughs) damn is that is that a thing uh, oh, yeah, yeah we'll, John. We'll get I, into that. We'll we'll get into that in,
1: yeah. on, a, on a Patreon episode, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one dollar a month.
2: Interesting to hear on you know a right act track like this that is quite obscure and dense. The crowd clapping along to you know the the, the bass drop and that that imbues it with a, a, a new enlivened energy. Blood is great. I mean, Stone is such a fun guitar player to watch. He's quite mechanical, but really feels what he's playing and he's really kind of like his movements almost feel quite like a Tonka toy or something like they're kind of quite rigid (laughs) but they're still quite you know with the riff and you can really feel it flowing through him Mike again wigging out towards the end of the song I wasn't too big of a fan. I thought Rearview Mirror I I, I don't really love Rearview Mirror as a track I know I, I know every Belgian fan lives and dies for that track but the middle kind of jammy section felt quite i don't know a bit, bit basic maybe it just felt like they're just kind of doing these same kind of ascending riffs and no one was really challenging each other again we could have had deep in there. i just love deep i wish they put deep on this set
1: <laughs> <laughs> it had it had come back by this uh-huh. point
2: of uh, yeah, this rearview mirror
1: it's it's classified it in the in the pink floyd kind of spacey sure. Uh, over a, of rearview mirror it 's it is an eight minute version there 's a lot of a lot of bleeps and bloops um not not the radiohead kind but guitar based um there 's
0: also a lot I, of I like re- to- repeating itself it, it mm. it's it 's not yeah. it 's not going into another uh you know, it, it's not going into another riff. It's just kind of repeating the same riff over and over again for the minute or, or two that they're on something. And then it kind of changes just slightly to be a little bit something different. But I, I, I felt like this bridge here wasn't what I, I'm kind of on Tom's side. I don't think it was one of the, the better ones that, that we've heard in a while.
1: Well, I, I liked it. rear that that jam is always they
0: always do something different
1: it's it's always a highlight for me.
0: I will say though that the the chorus after they kick back in uh, uh with the strobe light going off uh it it feels like a it feels like they built to that. Um even though the build was a little it was a little long, it felt like uh the build was the build was worth it. It's it's a huge way to end the night with the with the crowd being all invested in in it. Uh you're ending your first set and I feel like every, I feel like it kind of, it leaves you on a little bit of a, a cliffhanger there that you're, you're kind of wanting uh, something more. So, uh, you know, River Mirror always a big song for that. It always works in that aspect, but, uh, you know, I, the, that did, the finish was, was really strong. That's, that's what I was uh, most impressed by with this one. So that takes us into the encore and Ed is out with his uke and says uh... he's gonna play a little black Sabbath
2: ever been done before
0: in the history of the universe. You have to have some visual memory of, of this, right Tom? Yeah, yeah,
2: no I do I do remember him coming out there with the Uke and all of us singing along and it is one of those riffs that you can just work out, you know, everyone kind of knows yeah. the bass melody, and just the, the kind of very humanising visage of Ed out there, you know, always the man of the people, just with this little wooden instrument between him and 70,000 odd punters, like, yeah, it, it's a really cool moment, I mean, unfortunately it leads to soon forget, I'm not really a fan of Ed's twee Uke inclinations but uh, still the iron man moment is a great moment
0: yeah uh you know i think it's 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 an ode to the country that they're in and they have a couple of those in here i think you know they, they're they for the most part all the bands that they listen to probably 90 percent of them come from the united kingdom so uh mm-hmm. it's an it's an ode to that and they don't do a lot of sabbath Outside of Mike playing a little War Pigs, maybe, but uh, you know, it, it is it is fun to see that. It's fun to see the crowd react to it in the way they did. Uh, Ed kind of uh, st- stops mid-strumming to get an awesome reaction, and he mentions the band doesn't come to to England enough to deserve that kind of response. So he's feeling guilty that uh, you know the whole band isn't out there at that point to 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 get that same response that he just got so to add the guilt of getting this amount of attention you've been camping for three days and we've been in a hotel so uh you know that's uh, that's what you get for, for going to festival shows and then, uh, without showers, without real meals and, and all that deal. So, uh, but soon, for, soon forget, you know, it's not a song I'd ever expect them to do at a festival, but, uh, it's kind of a fun moment. Um, you know, again, another binaural song, not a song that you're going to hear in an arena these days that much anymore, but, uh, you know. I would say that it is doing the solo stuff in the encore more during this point. And, uh, you know, this one was probably done, you know, relatively rare. Uh, but a fun moment for me, I think one of the best things here is the transition and it kind of hits, hit me out of nowhere. Cause if you're not, You know, paying attention to what's going on in the video, and you're, you know, you're just writing down something or or not paying attention. You you don't expect that the rest of the band is on stage. You think that it's going to take a second. So you get that immediate transition from the last, you know, uke strum into giving a fly. And that's a really cool sounding thing that that they usually don't do something like that. That's one more time around.
2: And there is not a sound. He's lying dead, clutching. Benjamin's never put the money down. He's stiffening. We're all
0: whistling. A man will soon
1: forget.
2: In terms of uh, if you're watching the video as well, the way it's shot's really nice. Cause it's all settled on Ed, and yeah, you don't realize that Mike's there behind. And right. I think Ed like wipes away a tear as well, like during the ukulele section. Well, I, his wouldn't
0: really I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. That sort of thing would get him emotional.
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Um, given a fly, John. Uh, we haven't touched up on it as you and a co-host yet. We're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna butt heads on it. Uh, I've sort of given up. Uh, my grudge on it now, but um you know this was a pretty fast version uh if if you were to put it in any category
1: i I love it anywhere it is they they can open with it they can put it in encore one on encore two they can close the first set i anytime I hear those opening notes i'm i'm immediate. i'm in i'm all in I'm, uh, I'm this is one, with one of the one of the one of their best live songs and again it's you get that moment where everyone gets to put their hands up and you know yell fly you know it's, it's one of the, it's one of the great one of the great live songs
0: it's absolutely yeah. underrated moment uh, I will give you that um yeah in in it kind of it's it's an ease back into the encore where you know soon forget is sort of just kind of fun and a little jokey but uh given the fly it's it's not going from soon forget into once where it would sound it would be a little jarring almost that it's kind of it's it's intense. You kind of have to go like pop to, you know mid tempo, pop ish kind of song, and then you hit it into once. And I think it, it was a it was good opportunity uh to do that in that situation. So given a fly in once in this point of the set list, uh I I don't think they make a mistake here. I, I think that most of their choices in the set are pretty on target, you know, as, as the way that everything is flowing momentum-wise, uh sounds good to me. I have no complaints.
2: Yeah, really dug this version of once, like, for me personally, I like this kind of bloodier, scrappier, uh, bruised Pearl Jam, like, I like the kind of riffier Pearl Jam, like, my top three Pearl Jam, Records are uh, 10 verses And backspacer mm-hmm. So f- I think Ed You know He's really grimacing That verse Like he really sounds Anguished As it's coming out Mike is hyping everyone up Great version Just They, they captured a lot of that Kind of salubriousness About Once That slippery nature That m- mercurial Sturring Like It just has a Kind of predatory leer to it That I thought was great Got A real run and gun energy they, they murdered this one
0: Once is one of my Favourite stone songs live i feel like every time that you hear stone play on this it, it's just he has this kind of meticulous way about it and it, it just sort of it, it, it matches the vibe of the album where it's a little bit eerie it's a little bit mysterious and uh stone always sounds really good on this
1: uh, i'm sorry i didn't hear anything after you said backspacer was in your top three. oh
0: <laughs> first mccready now this
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I also think No Code's horribly overrated. Oh my oh. gosh, yeah, I will, I will get on, a, I will get on a plane, and I will come
1: fight you. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll, I'll need your address <laughs> later. But uh, no, this this version of Once it, it's okay. It suffers a little bit from that from th- the dissident syndrome from earlier where. I think it it didn't have a lot of didn't have a lot of oomph to this version. I mean, yeah, the song. I mean, it's it's again, it's one where everyone in the crowd gets to go and and yell. It's it's a perfect encore yeah. one song. So I'm I'm not surprised to get it here.
0: Uh, we have once going into Crown of Thorns. Uh, Crown of Thorns. We had mentioned it before. Uh, it's only the 11th time they'd ever played the song live. So this really. Feels like a treat for the crowd. So I see you. Still at this time, while I don't agree that it still feels special or as special now, at this time in this, you know, situation, it does have that air of, you know, it, it still feels like it's meaningful to them. Like the, that it it has sort of a semblance of uh, it's it's emotionally powerful in at, at this time setting.
1: Oh yeah, it's 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 a powerful moment. Anytime they play it, you know, you usually get at the end. You'll get Eddie go over to Jeff and give him a hug, and go over to Stone and give him a hug. It's kind of a nice moment, you know, for them to to get this song back from before the band even started. And then I think you remember there was a there was a Rolling Stone interview back in the early '90s where Ed talked about there was one of Andy's songs that he always wanted to play, but he you know he, he didn't say what it was, but he was like you know someday there's one song of his I'd like to give give it a shot and this was it, and it's, it's a highlight whenever you get it
2: A Transcendent song, I absolutely adore this, love that they played it I think it's testament to Stone's guitar playing as well, just based on some very simple chord progression that just feels so wide and and, and so feckered and so full. Love Jeff's bass as well, uh, sneaking up and the ankles of the song. Good placement. Great bass line. Yeah, yeah, really, really wonderful bass line. And great breakdown as well with the solo that wasn't written by Mike, um, but still is really, really good. You know, I love that we have once, Crown of Thorns, then into Comatose, Which is my only real memory of the entire show is comatose. So we would listen to Avocado all the time. And at school, um, with my friend Chris, we had this thing called Guitar Club that my biology teacher actually organised every Friday. Yeah, we had guitar clubs, So at lunchtime, we would go to the music rooms. This is our biology teacher organise this. We'd all bring in our guitars. There'd be drums, bass, and we'd just jam and we'd just learn songs. And that was the first time my my guitar player, my uh, my biology teacher got me into Rush. I'd never heard of Rush before and he came over to me and my friend and gave us a tabs for YYZ and was like learn this and we came back and you know just got into loads of different bands and we used to play loads of Pearl Jam and the main song we used to play at the time was Comatose we we had a really good version of Comatose just it's quite easy and it's kind of you know got the like kind of punky idea right. but um, you can hear it on here where Stone I think accidentally plays the <laughs> Stone playing that and turn into Chris, my friend. And we're like, oh, they're playing Comatose, like you know, the only song, the song we know, no for no sort of thing. And um, yeah, I think this is a really good version of a really underrated PJ track. I agree with that.
0: Um, It's just, it's one of those, it it just, it has, it's a ball of energy. It's, 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 it's kind of like rocket fuel Uh, when, when they're able to go on this and they're able to kind of hone it in uh, this And this is a good example of this version because Eddie doesn't lose any of the energy. He doesn't lose his breath. He doesn't, you know, uh, sometimes he like, I'll go back to the Fenway show from this, this past uh, it's wow. That's every time I've said that with the song or any other song I'm like oh you know a couple months ago no that was a goddamn year ago at this point Jesus uh we we need more we need more shows we need more things to talk about uh but um you know he 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 got winded towards the end of it and he had lost uh he had lost the words and and somebody in the front he had to look at them uh and sort of kind of you know, read his lips to, to get back on track with the words, but this, uh, you know obviously they're playing it every night it's not a rare song at this point but um you know as long as as they don't lose their energy and he doesn't lose his breath and doesn't lose his balance on this this sounds really really good i thought this was uh this was a great moment from this night too uh and that you know that brings us into the end of encore 1 with with a live here and the energy just being so incredibly high uh if again you know you need 3 songs at a festival show it's even flow it's jeremy and alive and you know you're going to get your crowd into it you're going to get them going you're going to get them chanting your haze at the end and this just uh this is perfect for that
2: it's alive. we're all still alive you know mike goes into guitar hero mode they rock out Eddie's leaping off amps people are in tears like yeah it's just it, it's, it's what you want and what you need from a Pearl Jam show really it's
1: a great version um, but no I was going to say uh, we, do we need to talk about the fact that there's no black in this show is that something Tom that you were going into thinking that that, that black is obviously it's one of everyone's favorite songs is that something you were looking forward to
2: uh, I don't really like black I've got to be okay. honest oh. I, I the the jingle I've always found it a little cringy. I don't know why. But it's, you know, I realise this, oh, isn't, this isn't the audience to say it to But uh, I,
0: I uh, mean, look, hey, you know, it's it's good to have a new voice in there. Uh, and
2: the um, chords but- of black are astonishing, though. The actual guitar playing's is wonderful in it.
1: Yeah, it just hit me when I was looking at it. You know, when I listened to the show a second time, I was like, wait a minute, there's there's no black in this show. It just kind of surprised
0: me. So huge reaction before they leave the stage for encore two, and Ed is kind of out there milking it a little bit, uh, thanks the crowd a couple of times, and thanks them for being safe. And then we come right back out for encore two, uh, and that's where we get into why go, uh, which I think it, it's it's good placement and it's a way to tell the crowd uh, time to say goodbye after a long weekend, uh, but it's sort of also saying you know why go home you know after all this time being here at this long festival, why go home just yet? We got two more songs after this. I I love when it's kind of like a subtle, you know, a a subtle thing, you know, it's sort of when they opened up with it, the last show of the spectrum, why, you know, you don't want, you don't want it to close. You don't want the spectrum to, to go down. Why go home? It's, it's sort of a play on words. I, I, I like when they do that.
1: It's a little, it's a little shot of adrenaline this late in the set too.
0: Yeah. And, you know why why go is it's a perfect example of another one of those songs that that just picked up energy at this point um in their career they they weren't playing it for a long time i believe mansfield the third night was the first time they brought it back and and you know you ask you know the right and wrong people and and people would say that it was amazing from that night and people would say that it was just horrible from that night but it it grew back into being one of these songs that that had this this kind of power and now it's 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 back to being the staple in the set and where i i think we should all be thankful for that because it is such a you know when it when it pops up and it can pop up just about everywhere it can kind of be a utility player uh of sorts be in the encore be an opener be you know you know a post slow burn uh song yeah, i think
1: and the and the fans were the ones that did that it's the crowd that comes in and does the, you know, the screaming back to him, why mm-hmm. go home? Right. That, that's, that's another one of those moments that the, this show is full of.
0: Ed, after this, uh, kind of talks and and we get two more after why go saying, uh, growing up we didn't know of England because of World War Two. We knew of England because of rock and roll music. And he mentions Beatles, Kinks, and Zeppelin and Floyd and The Who and says the next song is dedicated uh, to The Who because it's, it is a who song, so uh, that gets us into Bob O'Reilly.) <laughs> Again, going back to to what they did with Sabbath, it's an ode to the British rockers. Uh, you know, just their admiration for Pete Towns and admiration for the Who is is has been apparent in their whole career. And I feel like every time they go to they go to England, they have to do something uh, that sort of uh, pays tribute to them. So, the, the, and this is a really powerful version too. This is a really good one. The crowd is eating it up the whole entire time.
2: Yeah, totally agree. I mean, Reading back then, kind of mid-2000s, it was still in that rock mould and something like this was playing into the hands of the crowd. And I mean, Eddie just worships the Who, right? Pete Townsend especially.
0: 100 percent yeah i mean if there's anybody that he you know models himself after i would say it's probably pete townsend you know with the uh, the sometimes the smashing of the of the mic stands uh-huh. and uh the even the playing style sometimes it's it's yeah. very pete like so uh you know to to get baba and and out of out of every band that they do covers from you know they'll do some neil but i i think that they've done the most who songs out of everybody.
1: He was even in a, he was even in a who cover band
0: called The What, which we'll have to get into at some point. <laughs> we will. That's interesting. That's uh information that, that that's new to me, so that's that's funny. Um, but yeah, this is a powerful version and don't sleep on boom during this version.
1: Oh yeah, and, and this is this is the one this is the point too where it becomes a celebration of the show. Like you know you're near the end. You know, if there were lights there the lights would be coming on. That this is the part where it becomes a party, and we're we're getting ready to say goodbye.
0: Yeah, and uh, that's Ledbetter kicking in at the end here, and it's it's a fair fairly obvious that it could be. It, it's going to be the closer of this night. Uh, anytime you have some sort of big show in a big setting, it's going to be Ledbetter that you're going to want to go out on. And uh, we we say it all the time: is it a Ledbetter show? Is it a different show? And this is, you know, one hundred percent, a hundred times over, a Ledbetter show. Uh, but you know, the sing along at the end and and showing the signals for the fi- being the final song at the festival, it feels really appropriate mccready is at the end here i felt like this was an excellent mccready show in in general but um the stuff that he's doing when the band just kind of lets lets him go at it and then he does a little zeppelin riff at the end ending this is the, and this is the only time you've seen Pearl Jam, right? That's right, yeah. So, this is your last this is the last moment. So, you got to be thinking at this point like, you know, this was all worth it to to go here and to to make the trek up a couple hours and and, you know, through this festival of 80,000 people, whatever it is, but like to hear Ledbetter at the end here, what's, uh, what's your reaction?
2: Yeah, yeah. It was wonderful. I mean, the classic ending. Uh, you know, uh, most of my... Like, it's weird, because I was watching this show earlier um, yesterday and my girlfriend was in the room, and she was like, oh, this is from Friends. This is, this is the song that they play at the <laughs> end of Friends, which, which most people know about it. But I actually knew this track, even though I wasn't that deep into Podium at the time. This was on Rearview Mirror. This was the closing track on the double mm-hmm, disc right, on the on right. the sort of softer disc and um yeah always love the song um I actually discussed this as well with um Brad Blazik, Brad B, he was on Alf Botalica. We did helpless and we spent a lot of time speaking about um, speaking about Pearl Jam, speaking about this and how this song's a bit a slice of glorious nonsense, you know, a lot of the lyrics don't mean anything. I love Eddie with the min- binoculars staring out. Like it feels like mm. something from a stage play and all the all the crowd leaving as well and just this beating mass in front of him. It's got this really serene edge to it. But um yeah. Love Better. I think it's played expertly, and um, it's a it's cherry on top. Really, it's a great way to end.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so that is uh, that is a twenty six song show right there. That is uh, that is a festival show, and, and we haven't done a lot of these. We haven't covered them that much at all. But uh, now I'm intrigued. I think this this got us in a little direction. I know Pink Pop uh, a couple of weeks ago was was something a little different, but um, yeah, th- this this is interesting so could we do more festival stuff in 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 the future maybe what do you think i think we might have to we we might have to If, if they're gonna have set lists like this if it's gonna sound like this then uh then i'm i'm totally on board so uh let's uh before we rate it uh top three moments of this show what would you say would be your top three tom
2: damn top 3. Uh I I really liked Once. I thought the Once performance really spoke to me. Uh I thought Even Flow was excellent. Actually, uh, Comatose I really enjoyed as well. Um do they play that song often since? It's you know, yeah, uh
0: it's it's one that stuck around from Avocado out of all the ones that that have um it's probably top 3 or 4, but uh this past year uh, last year in in 2018, they had only played it one time. So who knows what they're going to do with it going forward? But yeah, it is it is something that uh, has been brought back more than uh, more often than not.
1: And yeah. weirdly enough, you would, you would think you would get it. It would you think it would become one of those early set songs like a like a Brain of Jay or a Last Exit. But a lot of it's times, it's kind they, of, a lot of times song. Yeah, a lot of times they stick it in an encore one or an encore two. It's interesting.
0: It's just uh, getting energy into the end of the set, I guess. It's, yeah. you know. So, John, what's your top three favorite moments of the show? Who? Uh,
1: I'll say uh, Crown of Thorns, uh, number three. Uh, I Am Mine, number two. Great version of I Am Mine, and then Even Flow got to be number one with um, the Mike solo and the Matt solo. That the, the quintessential 2006 Matt Cameron drum solo. Love it.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go with Mine. Just the opening to the show. Uh, three would be. Uh, interstellar into corduroy how much i love that intro and just corduroy opening the show in general is just fantastic uh number two i'm gonna say i'm gonna put even flow in at number two and just everything that mike was doing and matt was kind of uh you know following up with the drum solo i thought everything there was fantastic and and three i'm just gonna kind of package just the whole entire set not being what you would expect for a festival set so you know throwing in two riot act songs throwing in three binaural era songs throwing in you know not as many avocado songs as they were playing at the time uh, and you know although there's no no code it kind of doesn't hinder my, uh, my you know how much I I, I enjoyed it so uh, I would just say the set list choices overall in general would be my favorite actual part of the show so uh, let's uh let's do it out of 10 how would you rate it tom uh
2: probably a six six point five something like that wow. not that there's anything bad with the performances uh just from again live and four legs ruins pearl jam listening because i've just heard of all these like classic <laughs> uh, legendary shows and this is that's why no one listens to the show <laughs> yeah
0: now now we know Ah, uh, I've been trying to figure it out for months now. While we haven't had one listener for this show, it's because we've ruined the goddamn band for them. Uh, I knew it. I
2: had I had a great time, you know, there and and now and and watching it back and stuff like that. But I just I just feel that like in the in the pantheon of P, the PJ live back catalog, no one's going to be talking for in twenty years about Ready No Six, you know, even though it was great.
0: I I agree with that, but then that's that's why we touch up on these that it, sure. it's, it's the little gems that you can find in the rough sometimes, you know, not every show is going to be as uh as powerful or as memorable as the Orpheum or as a Wrigley show, or as, you know, some of the early 1992, 1993 stuff like this, you know, people aren't going to know what Reading is and, and they're going to tune into this episode and they're going to be like, okay, well, what did they bring on this night? What does it sound like? And mm-hmm. for a festival show, this is this is above the this is setting a new bar. I think, okay. uh, especially coming coming out of uh, you know Ross Kilden not doing festivals for a long time. This is setting a new bar for them. That uh, unfortunately, festival shows nowadays they haven't really followed up on. They're pretty basic sets, so uh, you know that's probably why I'm so impressed by, by this set when, mm. when I see it on paper. Uh, John, what would you rate it?
1: I I will give it a seven. I think uh, it does have some cool moments. Uh, we didn't; nobody put the Iron Man in their in their top three, but that was a cool little moment for people. Yeah, uh, I, you I you sort get of get forgot lot, about. A lot of it. participation, which I think uh, bumps it up a little bit. So I'll say uh, solid seven.
0: Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a seven too. It's kind of teeter between seven and seven and a half. It's it's hard for me to give a festival show a full you know, a really good eight or an 8.5 or nine or something like that, just because, uh, it needs some historical context for me to, uh, uh, to get on that train. But as far as listenability goes, it is very, uh, it's very fun to listen to. It's, it's energetic. It has great momentum throughout the whole entire night. I, I had a fun time listening to it and, uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's, a, I think it's a solid seven. So that's, uh, that's where we are with it. Um, all right. So let's close this out. Uh, again, Tom Kui from the alpha Metallica podcast. You can check that out on Apple podcasts and Spotify and, where else can they listen to Alpha Time? Oh,
2: anywhere that accepts an RSS feed, Stitcher, or on YouTube as well. Um, I also do a few other podcasts. I'm kind of addicted to a podcasts, so I do a podcast about Tom Waits uh, called Down in the Hole, which was my first I'm sure podcast.
1: Eddie, I'm sure Eddie's checking that one out. He's a big Tom Waits guy.
2: Yeah, yeah. We. I uh, wonder if
0: any anybody uh, tunes into that show and thinks it's an Alice in Chains podcast.
2: Yeah, <laughs> which there totally needs to be, by the
0: way. But, ah, yeah. I I I agree. I think there needs to be one that's like the rest of seattle that yeah
2: there there is a seattle podcast that isn't very good um i don't want to oh. call i don't want to call them out but i i i do think there should be a grunge podcast i totally agree going from like washington in the 80s kind of the grunge right. influences up to wherever but actually at the end of every alpha metal episode i ask a lot of quick fire questions like what's your favorite member of the band your favorite metallica album etc and i always ask if you do a podcast like alpha metal about a band what would you do on and there've been so many podcasts put out into the world like you know even like a green day one or a megadeth one or a Mariam faithful one or you know just there's too many metallica and gem ones already please people don't do any more of those so
0: again uh you know there's patreon we have patreon episodes up the uh the evolution stuff is up
2: uh one dollar a month
1: you get access to everything
0: absolutely and not just that but you get a chance to come on our show talk about your favorite episode uh favorite episode favorite show that you've been to you know yes we're gonna do an episode of live on four legs (laughs) where you talk about your favorite episode of (laughs) (laughs) live on four legs that makes please pick please
1: pick one of mine
0: (laughs) yeah Yeah, somebody's calling in they're like you know what i really (laughs) want to talk about that charlotte episode that that, that was a that was a real (laughs) solid episode uh you sign up to our Patreon, you get a chance to to come on the show. If that's not something that you're into, then we will take your request and we will cover and dissect the one show that you want to hear and, uh, kind of become part of the live on four legs crew, so to speak. Um, you know, we have that, you know always check on in our Facebook page and the trivia that we're doing if this is out on wednesday uh then and you're listening to it on Wednesday, we'll have a trivia on Wednesday night, I'm sure, so keep on lookout for that on our facebook page and outside of that, don't forget to rate us on i uh on Apple podcast five stars in order to enter our poster contest where we'll be giving away a poster during our One-year anniversary show. So uh, uh, until next week, we'll be doing Glasgow, Scotland. That's going to be a fun episode. We're going to have some guests on for that. Go out there if you're a Metallica fan. If you're not a Metallica fan and just kind of want to hear you know, Tom uh, talk to guests about music, I'm going to be on uh, an episode pretty soon. When are we going to do that? Yeah, we're
2: doing Whiskey in the Jar, right?
0: Whiskey in the Jar, yeah. Yeah, Uh, which is
2: uh soon it's gonna be the penultimate episode actually uh Whoa! so uh so yeah that's you awesome. early october so yeah the 4th of october that episode will be out so we'll probably record a few uh few weeks before but yeah looking forward to that definitely
0: yeah me too absolutely that's gonna be a good time i don't know when i'm gonna be able to record that's a that's a busy time for me but okay we'll work uh, it out we'll work it out yeah. it Good. so tom uh thanks for coming on again uh this was a
2: fun yeah,
1: show Tom, to thank you so to. much that was
2: great no randy john thank you so much appreciate the offer
0: absolutely so uh this is the end we're here not for much longer and although we may be parting ways i miss you already and i miss you always no second today uh so check us out next week if you haven't listened to our show that often then go check us uh check out more episodes in our archive uh until then we will see you next time bye bye